It's 6 a.m. Rise and shine. Let's talk sports and welcome to the grind. And good Tuesday to you, and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out right here on a Tuesday edition. Jeff, good morning. Welcome in. Uh, Again, uh, you have a way uh, about bringing the rain. It follows me everywhere I go. You make it rain. I mean, some people pay a lot to do that. Yeah. uh, Or or they are paying a lot when they're doing that. I don't Uh, even have to dance. It just happens. Sure, sure. Yeah, everybody's crying because the dance is over. You, you think uh, that's it? You think that's it? Yeah. Um, but how you been, man? Ah, doing good, doing good. Good weekend. Had a little sports going. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I ended up watching that thing. I tell you, it, it. I'm I'm to the point to where like hamster racing would probably be really interesting to me. Uh, you, you know, there's only so many things, and we've talked about this before, but there's only so many things you can rewatch. Like over this time, what have you? What has been the thing that you're like? Had this had sports not shut down, I would have never watched them. Probably the marble racing. Good call. I don't think I've ever, I would have ever watched them. Or the diecast. Even though that's a little fun, the marble racing is still like I don't even. Yeah, yeah, you would have scrolled right past it. I'm glad I could. I'm glad I could bring that. Yep. to the forefront there. Uh, they only did like two races. It's disappointing. Yeah. I was ready for a full season. I feel like yeah. Yeah, they they must have taken one out of the uh, AAF's book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who knows? But uh, but what about NASCAR being back? You know, I, I was um, I was excited about NASCAR being back, and and honestly, you know, there's been different reactions about no fans in the stands. Uh, to me, you lost driver introductions, which to me they start coverage at three thirty and they start racing about four fifteen. At least with this, I mean, coverage started. They were in the car. They were real, or real close to getting into the car, and it was a quick in there. You know, old Darius Rucker didn't have to walk out there and his mic not work and the wind be blowing in the microphone. He did it from a, a distance. He he was somewhere recording his uh, national anthem. I thought it was great that they did the uh, the the first responders was the general or was the grand marshal as far as gentlemen start your engines. Did you see that? Yeah, I I it it was different. Because the first thing I noticed immediately was like what you said. They didn't have the all the crazy everybody in the back stuff. of the truck stuff. Yeah, everybody <laughs> lined up doing things, and the the interviews were conducted with a seven foot boom arm, and people were wearing masks, and which which that all made sense to me, and that was all cool. And then of course I didn't even think about it. But, you know, the announcers always generally stand in the same spot. Well, these guys were all set up and announcing from different locations, which I thought was kind of neat, especially since they were still doing, like, real-time. There was no delays, no lag, none of that stuff, at least not that we know of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. They they played it well, right? Uh, I'll tell you that that, uh, I gave my father-in-law a hard time because we're big Chase Elliott fans. And uh, he said, what would you think about NASCAR Sunday? And I was like, well, Chase Chase going to have to fix some things. And he was like, what? I thought he ran pretty good. He goes, I was like, you didn't see that face covering? 
Did you see his face mask? No, I didn't pay attention. Big Georgia Bulldog face mask. Oh, no kidding. I was like, which he's from, I mean, he's from Dawsonville. I'm not surprised. Yeah. But I did, I was like, oh, man. That's why I like Bubba Wallace, too. Because <laughs> I, I didn't see, I didn't see Bubba, but uh, if he had an opportunity, he might have had 10 He ran in the back most of the day. Yeah. Well, somebody's got to. That's uh, true. <laughs> but, uh but um, no, I, I was just—I thought it was interesting that that you know they they made some limitations. There wasn't a ton of people on pit road, uh, no. but but they they made a point for the drivers to have face coverings on. And I don't know if that's just uh, kind of that uh, that public eye that uh, that publicity. Like, look, drivers are doing it. You should do it. If if you know there was a little bit of that because I, I don't know. I'm a I'm a realist and I'm a uh, what makes sense kind of guy. I don't know what you call that. I feel like there's a name for that. Um, but like people who wear masks in cars when they're the only one in the car, I feel like that's a little heavy. Yeah, if you're the only one in the car, I mean, the mask is is. Which I did hear somebody say that that the reason you would do that is if you're pulling air from the outside and you might drive through some Rona. And I'm like, if 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 that's oh, so it's an it's 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 an it's airborne, airborne attack now. I'm just like, if that if that whatever whatever, it's like been bombed. Like all old over. Train Davis said, he said, if you're wearing it in your car when you're by yourself, just continue to do so when we don't have to wear them yeah. anymore. It doesn't affect me. Do whatever you want. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and the thing is, is maybe maybe I'm the one in the wrong. Maybe I'm the one short shortening shortening the stick here. I, but I mean, there's a cabin air filter inside your car. I did well in most cars. Yeah, so I mean, like I would say, like my eighty-five, my eighty-five probably doesn't have a cabin air filter. I'd say the Jeep doesn't have a cabin air filter. I don't have the doors on the Jeep. Yeah, it's it's all a filter. Yeah, everything's filtered. Nothing. Yeah, I don't even. Yeah, Yeah. I have a bikini top on it. That's it, (laughs) and that's just for looks. (laughs) Pretty much, it keeps the sun off the top of my head. That's it. But uh, but but I'll. I thought NASCAR did a really good job of really low impacting the uh, the no fans. Now I thought some of their early shots with drones exposed it. Yeah, but I thought, but I thought the drone looks were kind of cool. Well, you know, I I kind of wondered. My first thought before the race was, are they going to go out of their way to make sure we don't see the grandstands being empty? Mm. Are they going to do that? And then, I, and then, as we started seeing the drone shots, and I didn't realize how close to a highway that track was. Oh, I mean, I, oh, I did. I stopped by one yeah. time and, and looked at it, and literally, like their their parking lot for their gift shop is one lane, like it's one row because it's on the Dagum Road, right? And now, now I think it's changed a lot since I went because I went probably ten or maybe ten or eleven years ago, and. Some of those stands just looked a lot bigger Sunday because I remember going out there and, you know, thinking this isn't a lot bigger. I mean, it's a lot longer, but it's not a ton bigger than like seating wise than like Bulls Gap. Yeah. I'm sitting here. I'm like, really? But I was in the grandstand. So maybe maybe looking around the track, that's what I was seeing. But but no, I here's the thing. It didn't take it away from me because, you know, there there's no there's no third and three. In NASCAR, well, and we knew it. You know that was the thing. Oh, we yeah. knew they were going to have fans. So, from from that looking, but who I cares? but I but I came to to thinking. I was like, have I ever have I ever 
even paid attention to the fans in NASCAR because there's no, you know, every now and again they'll they'll take that segment called Turn It Up. Well, they don't turn it up in the grandstands. No. No, it's the it's sound of the car. It's the it's for all that. And so the they didn't do a ton of change no. to to do what they did. You know, I, I think the pit boxes, you know, they had the the crew instead of standing on the pit box close to each other, they were behind the pit box, which I think that was a heat thing too cuz it was blazing. I'm sure it had to be hot um, there, but uh cuz I mean it's South Carolina. I mean yep. it's it's beachy weather right there. But anyway, uh but they they still had good pit stops. I mean, they still did some things. I thought you saw some uh, you saw some rust show up. Uh, I.e., Ricky Stenhouse is like lap one snafu, and I mean it really was. It was just this ain't I racing no more, Ricky. No. You, you you're not getting the same feedback. You're not feeling the road. It's you know under you, mm. and you know not to mention you got. 40 other guys out there that, you know, they're all probably feeling the same thing. I swear when you said that, I heard Robert Duvall go, there's 40 other vultures out there yeah. that can make it on their tires. Anyway, sorry. Did I sound the same? Did I mean, did I not, not exactly. <laughs> I mean, but it's hard to get that uh, tobacco in your jaw, Harry Hall kind of sound. But, um, but Ricky Stenhouse hit the wall. I thought, uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson got a little overzealous into that into that first uh, segment and, and put put one in the in the inside wall. And man, he was he was running pretty good. He was. It was, you know, they I watched the they like showed I that want replay. him to be decent this year. Honestly, oh yeah. I mean, last year definitely. I, I you want him to be to run good and. You know, it it hurts that you had a hiatus in the middle of the season, and well, I you know, and I was really concerned. I don't want to say concerned. That's probably that's a stretch. But I was I was nervous that he was gonna he was gonna straight Mark Martinus, and oh, we had a hiatus. I'll I'll wait till next year to retire. Right. And I guess that's not off the table. But no, it, but no, I mean, they're not. still running commercials that say "Thanks, Jimmy, last race." Da 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 da. I think he wins one. I think he wins one here in the next few weeks. I think he probably oh, – yeah. I think he looks good at Charlotte. He gets two runs at it. So, I think – probably not the 600, but I, I, I would be really shocked if he doesn't run really well at the second uh, Charlotte race there. But uh, I want him to do well. I You know, it, one thing that you've got out of the COVID deal, which, which by the way, there's a there's a conversation piece on the, on the right end about – how many conversations you've had over the last month and a half, two months that weren't COVID related? I was like, well, we have a couple every day right here. Yeah. But, uh, but, but anyway, uh, you know, you kind of have time to reflect a little bit. Like you, you kind of think, and you know, you're like, in the throes of it, you're like, I just don't care for Jimmy Johnson, or maybe he doesn't have personality. But over the COVID deal, I, you know, I sat there and I was like, yeah, that cat's got seven championships five in a row i mean and and just there was a time in racing where nobody beat 48 like i mean it was either i'm winning i'm in the top five i'm in the top 10 like no dnfs i mean it was just he was always there and and i don't know i i don't know if i would say he got cheated out of it because it was just his maybe his pr team wasn't what it should have been but i i don't know i just Jimmy Johnson with um, Jimmy Johnson with like Dale Earnhardt or, or Richard Petty's persona, or even maybe a Rusty Wallace level persona. I mean, this cat's the Michael Jordan of racing. 
but but with what he's got and and the Chad Canals and they're both pretty much, you know, pencil pushing bean counters. I mean, just straight up, he's just he's just Jimmy. There's there's not a ton of flair. I don't. I I think that's part of the reason that led to the downfall of NASCAR. Oh, <laughs> and, and no pressure. No, and the reason I say that's because. Five years in a row, he won. And so, for me, from a fan, and I'll be honest, I did this. This is exactly my my mindset. I don't care. Jimmy Johnson's just going to win, so Boom. I don't care. Confetti. Yeah, and at that point, I mean, I couldn't have been the only one. So, But but what I'm getting at is, and, and again, you were a Rusty Wallace fan, so maybe you're the asterisk here. <laughs> but... If Richard Petty wins five in a row, there's still a grand following. There's still a world of NASCAR fans that's like, you know what? He's Richard Petty. Yeah. Or if Dale Earnhardt Sr., if he wins 5-1, because there's going to be a few fights in there because he's going to wreck a bunch of people, and it's going to be it's going to be on. But but if he wins five or, or say, you, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. was to go on a high, you know, a streak that where he wins three out of five or something like that, the sport doesn't suffer. But Jimmy Johnson, even though I'm I'm giving him credit for being great and having consistency. Oh yeah, that's and, tough. I mean, that's double tough. You know, having consistency and and being really good and uh, and you know, to his credit, he learned the car of tomorrow. He learned the new point system and, and made it to his advantage. He's, if I'm not mistaken, he's won a championship in every point setup except the current. So I mean, he's he's very he, he's very versed and 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 probably. As much as Jeff Gordon brought the sport along, because really, if you look at it, there's been there's been segments of NASCAR, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you would argue that you know you've got the Lee Petty and you've got the uh, the Ralph Earnhardt era, you know, the beach racing, and, and then you've got the King Richard. He comes in and he's doing his thing, and then here comes Dale right on the tail end. Real well, on not on the tail end because Richard drove forever, but on his winning side of things. Dale comes in there in like 76 and starts doing his thing. Well, then right at the the last season of Richard Petty, here comes Jeff Gordon. And Jeff Gordon probably should be credited with bringing NASCAR the farthest from an explosion onto the scene. It no longer, you know, stayed around the Mississippi and the Mason-Dixon. You know, it, right. it, it became a national sport. It went to California, all those things. Uh, but then there's now. And and I think a lot of the big credit, even though you know Jimmy's a, a veteran driver, I mean he his first season was the year or was two thousand one, and that just doesn't seem that way. It, it seems doesn't. like he should have been driving in the nineties, right? Yeah. But his first season was oh one because it was the year after Dale Earnhardt Jr. started in the Cup Series. No kidding. And so uh, you know I think he should be credited with the the most recent level of NASCAR, good, bad, or indifferent. And so, like I said, I think looking at him yesterday and in what is a not same level as what he was run, running with the Lowe's 48, with Chad Knauss, the whole deal, uh, it just speaks to where NASCAR is right now. It's a, it's a young driver sport. I mean, you look at Alex Bowman, uh, probably a really good driver, but but probably as interesting as the uh, as the, the sponsor that chose the deck lid on his car. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, you know, William Byron, great driver, but not real interesting. He had something over his name on the side of the car. No, they all did. 
What was it? So it's first responders. They they uh, did the tape over thing, you know, like Jersey the, the NFL and stuff had done with jerseys. Yeah, they did that. Okay. Kevin Harvick had one too. I it was Drew Hughes, I think was his. I saw it on the driver's side, but I didn't see it on the passenger side, which oh. was like what was that? That's interesting. Maybe okay. they did it on both sides. I, I just saw the driver's side as well. Okay. Hmm. Shocking. Maybe yeah, they yeah. had two different ones. But uh but but anyway, I say that to say during this time of, of, you know, like I said, COVID and whatever, I just really was like, man, talk about a span of a career. You know, you go from 2001 sleeping in Jeff Gordon's basement, basically, because I think he literally did at some right. point, uh, to winning five straight championships, seven overall, and then you're in your final year of your, your career or your racing career, and you're, uh, you're one stringing on or holding on to a sponsor. You know, Ally kind of came on and is going to kind of hold you in there. Uh, lost lows, the whole deal. And then you put it in the wall there at Darlington to start back up. It just had to be uh, a little bittersweet because Jimmy Jimmy wants to be good, and I think he will be good this season. Uh, but uh, I think it just it spans the gamut of how you can be the big dog at one point and they make one small change, and it, it, it changes the whole dynamic. But – um, I don't know really where I was going with that. I'm just saying, like, Jimmy, his lack of success over the last last year has really went, wow, like seven championships, and now he's just, yeah. The I, My problem is with, with NASCAR is nobody ever leaves the sport willingly. Now, I mean, of course, if somebody – dies in, a, in you know right some some way yeah nobody ever leaves that sport when they're on top everybody always races and races and races and races until they just don't win anymore so tony did like he's he's probably the one i'll put put up there is did as he, he did. on his own or was he influenced out i think he was influenced out it's hard to be well, but it's hard to be influenced out when you're an owner driver. I mean, it's who you're going to influence. He's the owner. He's all, There's also a governing body that says, we don't want your name on our sport anymore. Well, no, no, no. But he had already left NASCAR when the whole dirt race thing went down. I think it was before that. I don't think it had anything to do with the dirt race. I think they just didn't like him. Really? Yes. But uh, honestly, I didn't much care for him just because he always continued to like beat the people I wanted to win. <laughs> but... You look back on Tony Stewart, man. He, I mean, he's one of the few people that can cross the indie gamut. And I think that was a problem. Yeah, maybe it was. It, it, I, for some reason, there's he never, owns Kevin Harvick's car. Just saying. Yeah, there's never been enough respect given to the people that switch between open wheel and NASCAR. Mm. And, and well, there's I, just so few that's been able to do it. Right. You think and about he it. was one of the ones that could. And I think because of that, they didn't like him. Well, you know what. Sometimes it's okay not to be liked. I didn't like him early, but I liked him later on. It's something about throwing that helmet at oh, – who did he throw it at? Kyle Busch, Matt Kenseth, something like that? Kyle Busch sounds right. I think so. He When he threw that at him, I'm like, smoke. I love it. Love it. Never <laughs> Didn't like Tony Stewart, but I like smoke. I like smoke. But anyway, let's take a break. Listen to our fine sponsors. We've uh, – if if circles is what NASCAR did, we did everything but. But we'll uh, we'll we'll kind of put that on the shelf. Talk a little bit more about it on Thursday uh, as they hit Darlington again on Wednesday in what's going to be a four race in two weeks 
for the Cup Series uh, there in NASCAR, and, and we'll we'll try to talk along with it uh, and give some updates as the sport reopens, revitalized, and does so without fans. But let's take a break. Listen to these great sponsors. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, and streaming on WKBL.com. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. Hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Rural King continues to provide the essential livestock supplies your farms need. A cool, wet spring followed by sudden warm weather can mean the grass in your pasture may grow so fast it fails to pull the magnesium up that your herd needs. Country Road High Mag Mineral Blocks with 13.5% magnesium are just $15.99 each. You can order online at RuralKing.com and pick up in store. Protect your livestock for the lowest prices every day at Rule King, America's farm and home store. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. Your local Blount County Community Food Connection is still open serving local families in time of need and hardship. We provide prepackaged groceries to help meet your nutritional and dietary needs. The Community Food Connection is open Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday from 10 a.m. until noon for drive-up delivery only. Residents are asked to remain in their vehicle so that our volunteers may safely distribute the food. Directions as to how to enter and depart the facility will be clearly displayed. We thank you for your cooperation and look forward to serving you at your Blunt County Community Food Connection. Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville, a company invested in Blunt County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Jana, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with, and I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007, or you can check out their work online, 42sd.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007, or online at 42sd.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is Sports Radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports.
And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeffy Mack as we grind it out here on a Tuesday edition. Jeff, I swear, I tell Boone all the time, they if if they could if people could hear, we, we would have to maybe maybe charge some admission to the to oh, the yeah. between segment conversations. One, because it's somewhat there's uh you know, parental discretion is advised. But at the same rate, uh, I think it's good conversation. We're, we just talked about Jimmy Johnson versus Dale Earnhardt versus Richard Petty's championships versus versus Jeff Gordon's. Just the the impact to the sport, da 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 da. But anyway, we uh, we had to close that book. Uh, credits we are did. rolling, and we are shutting the book. But uh, but let's move on. Uh, Jeffy Mack edition of the uh, of the Last Dance. Uh, a little finale there there on Sunday, and. And I'll be honest with you, it's bittersweet for me because I love the content, want to see more, but I ain't going to miss that 11 o'clock finish on a Sunday night. I feel like that's just a rough start to the week. I always had to catch it the next. Now, when, when we were you know quarantined and not mm-hmm. going anywhere, I was catching it that night, no big deal. But since we've been back, I've been watching it the next day, see, so I finished it yesterday. See, I'm so – which here's the thing, I, and, and this just tells you idiosyncrasies of an idiot but uh that's me uh is is one of those i'm like i don't want somebody to spoil it for me Mm. but i'm like it's history wayne what are they gonna spoil for (laughs) you so anyway i guess i learned that a little late uh, a little hindsight's 2020 moment but but i will say um it it was a great docuseries boone and i talked about it yesterday and really just want to get your take on it because i felt like there was things even in that last moment that i i didn't know anything about uh, I didn't know anything about Steve Kerr's dad uh, being murdered overseas, you know, and, and he, he and Michael having that in common, but really never, never kind of divulged that. I, I always, based on on what my age was and ha- my interaction with with that timing of basketball, I thought Steve Kerr was a little bigger of a player than he really was. Uh, what what was your take on those last two episodes? Kind of some key points. So for me. One of the things was I watched both of those series against the Jazz, the 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 ninety eight and the ninety seven. So for me, this was this was a trip down memory lane. Um, yeah, I thought I thought these were the first couple years that I literally remembered. I, I remember watching these two and then the one prior, and so it was the ninety six, ninety seven, and ninety eight. And but I really remember them playing the Jazz. And it was just it. It was a powerful. Both episodes were powerful for me because of how much I remembered, and for how little I knew. Like all I'd ever heard about was flu, 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 and then all of a sudden it's pizza and food poisoning, and they make some good. <laughs> and and you and you talk about that and you laugh and because I laugh too. And the first thing I did as soon as they said it was. Utah Jazz Pizza Michael Jordan food poisoning and I'm like and there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes up and I'm like and people are like yeah I don't order pizza there or I don't order food when I play there and I'm like so this is a known thing that I didn't have a clue I thought it was the flu oh absolutely well it's called the flu game yeah and so (laughs) you you watch this and you're like okay five people delivered the pizza and I'm like that's shady that's a problem (sighs) And like like Boone and I were talking yesterday, I don't know if you caught this part, but you know I don't know that they the people in Utah thought they were going to get Michael. I think they knew that the Bulls were at that hotel at that time of night. It was going to be one of the players, 
But that they probably in their wildest dreams were going to probably get Rodman sick, right? Which I feel like his immune system he'd have, he'd have laughed he'd have at it, but it, yeah, he'd have just been like, <laughs> "You got you got to get up earlier to get me." But uh, but but I I don't think they in their wildest dreams thought they were going to get Michael. I think that's why five people showed up and they were kind of peeking because they didn't know who they were going to get. Was it going to be was it going to be Steve Kerr? Was it going to be somebody on the bench? Whatever. But it was their way of heckling or or whatever. And, and, you know, kind of a scary way, but Moon asked me, he said, uh, he said, do you think, do you know what might, they might've put on, on that thing? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not into that kind of thing, but I could ask Carol Baskin if you need me to. Yeah. Yeah. It's maybe tune official. You know, the, the thing is you hear some of the stuff that people are doing now and you're like, oh, that's terrible. That's disgusting. And this and that, and this and that. And you're like, it's plausible. Because the only reason we never heard about it way back then was because there was no way for us to hear about it. Right. There wasn't no social media. There was what what caught the news, what made the news. And the first thing that got out was flu. So Flu-like symptoms yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So nothing's going to trump that because there's no there's no tinfoil hat-wearing people that can get their message out. Well, and honestly, you know, once once he kind of, you know, played through that game, they won, and then he was, he was well the next game. So it was kind of old news at that point. Exactly. So – but but you know I that that blew my mind you know I, I that just I, I went what one he's got to have people that's smarter than that around him oh gosh yes you know go go to the grocery store get a get a Totino's and throw that bad boy in the, in the microwave you know do something I mean it's Michael Jordan the fact of oh that that's got a lot of sodium in it yeah he's Michael Jordan it's fine yeah uh so i yeah i guess and maybe they didn't have DiGiorno back then i don't, I don't know <laughs> i'm plugging all kinds of things that i that won't call me back yeah exactly <laughs> but uh but anyway um yeah i thought that was that was kind of a dumb move on their part but yeah the, that utah pizza man that that should be a t-shirt that should be a t-shirt don't eat don't eat the food in utah yeah utah best 10 30 delivery pizza you'll you'll get buddy <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but anyway, he plays through that wins through that. But, uh, w- was I the only one that when Dennis Rodman, when they played the clip of him and Hollywood Hogan and those guys, I remembered exactly watching that very thing when he smacked DDP with the, with the chair. I remember that happening. I wasn't really into, I see, I wasn't, I wasn't a WCW guy at that time. So for me, I missed out on that whole Hollywood Hogan stuff. I was I was watching the Rock and Sock connection, and <laughs> I, I was watching all that stuff. So yeah, so I I kind of bridged the gap. I, you know, I liked uh, I liked the Bash at the Beach WCW, mm. but I also liked WWF at the time, but uh, not the World Wildlife Federation. <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, but. I remember, I remember Dennis Rodman coming in, and, and I remember that that scenario. I remember him being there with the with Hollywood, and I never put it together that that was right in the middle of the finals. No, and, and again, you know, I, I preface all of that by saying I wasn't in an igloo, but I was in a big orange igloo because everybody, everything going on in in Knoxville was epically great. Yep, you know what I'm saying? Girls basketball national champions football national champions so the fact that the bulls you know were kind of struggling without rodman or whatever had the potential to be without rodman i was like oh cool good for them yeah and honestly that's just that's rodman that's just the most rodman thing you could do well and the thing is is you know carmen Electra, they they interview her and and in all of these interviews 
you know, everybody that they've interviewed, and I'm just I'm going to throw out a prop for Carmen Electra because I feel like she's taking care of herself. Uh, all the people that they've interviewed, uh, you're looking at them and go, yeah, it looks like it's been about 25 years ago. Carmen Electra, not so much. No. It's like she's been in a time capsule somewhere because yeah. I haven't seen her or heard from her. So, so maybe she is, uh, you know, a little. Maybe they recorded it 15 years ago. I don't <laughs> know, but uh, I, I don't know. It, that shocked me. Uh, again, the Steve Kerr thing shocked me. Uh, but what what probably blew me away more than anything uh, was was kind of the finale. Was was kind of the after everything was over, they've had this the, the parade, ten thousand people in Chicago. Uh, everybody's happy. Even Michael and Pippin and all those guys are talking about they don't un- they don't know yet what's going to go on. And the owner kind of wants to go rogue a little bit and, and trump Jerry Krause and put this thing back together one more time. And it it left a really weird taste as to really why that thing never came back together. Because there, there's one side of the coin that, that the owner says Phil Jackson doesn't want to do a rebuild. Uh, the cap space wasn't there. We couldn't, you know, from a money standpoint, couldn't justify putting this back together. Uh, but then... Uh, but then Phil says, "I, I don't want to. I don't want to go over Jerry's back like that. I, I, he wouldn't be able to accept me coming back." Da 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 da. My take on it. My take on it is Phil Jackson coined that season the the last dance, and it was going to be the last dance. Yeah, I, in I the interview with Jordan, he mentions that mm-hmm. is that everybody because of because of the way the front office looked at it. This is the last year. Everybody's together before the season even started. Kraus said he will no longer be the coach. Mm. Period. And so when Which is weird. It is weird. And Jordan made that comment that why would you say that before the season's even started? Why? There's no point. Let it ride out. But they make that statement. And so for them and everybody, they're all getting that mindset ready. They're getting they're getting their affairs in order, knowing that they're gonna be playing someplace else or they're gonna be coaching someplace else. And so after everything's done and said and they've won I think the owner knew that if we don't keep this team together and we blow it apart like what Jerry wants to do, we're going to catch some backlash. Because he looks at he makes mention and says, we look at this city, we see all those people and they're all happy and we feel like we had a part in that. That's very true. You're also going to have a part in it when you blast apart a three-peat team because your GM – has little man syndrome and you're the owner and you're cool with it, you know, you're going to get all these happy people are going to come back at you guys. Like, what were you thinking? And so I think at that point he was like, maybe if we keep a little bit of the pie together, maybe we can save some face. And Phil, in my opinion, he looked at it like you've made your bed. You've let this guy do what he's going to do. You're gonna sleep in it now, and 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 that's just and that's how it ended. And it, for me, I expected more of a bang there at the end, more of a this is what happened and this is how it played out. And then instead, we get the graphic that just says, you know, he was traded, he was traded, he retired, he moved on, um, which was fine. I, but at the same time, I, I think they were because the show was about the last dance they really didn't want to blast what they did blowing the team apart even though I think they could have and 
Well, and I thought it was really – and it just shows that competitive fire that Michael had talking about, I think we could have won seven. I think they would have too. You know, it would have been a hard press to, to say they wouldn't, they wouldn't get there. Uh, yeah. I would say that there were some hard-charging teams coming, coming there in that latter part of the 90s. Uh, so it would have been it would have been a fun ride, but I you know I think Phil understood you know it's gonna be it's gonna be heck you know it, well it's gonna be hell let's just put it out there it's gonna be yeah. hell if I come back and having to deal with that front office and and then it's gonna kind of coin to the, some players oh so for the right dollar figure Phil says it's not the last dance right and so I think Phil wanted to be true to his players he understood that dynamic but then I I, I think there was a financial side of it that they just they could keep Jordan. And probably keep Pippen, but they're not keeping Rodman. Or maybe they can keep Rodman, but then they can't keep Pippen. And and there there's a nucleus there that that if you upset the apple cart, you don't have the same result. So I think financially, uh, it would have been hard to do. Now I know I know Jordan says everybody would have taken a one year deal, and I think twenty you know thirty years removed, you, you're real you you know twenty two years removed, you're you're real easy to go. Yeah, I'd taken a one year deal at that time. A lot of those guys. Pippen was ready to leave. Uh, he didn't want to be there. Uh, Rodman was Rodman. He he was wrestling Carmen Electra the whole deal. Uh, <laughs> not wrestling Carmen Electra. You see see how I, comma you know comma. But uh, anyway, um, but I, I think it'd have been hard to keep that thing together. Steve Kerr would have resigned. All the all the role players would have resigned. But I think that nucleus of Rodman, Pippen, Jordan would have been hard to to hold on to. But uh, I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was also, and I told Boone I was going to save this for you, so I can't let him down. Uh, so, what did you? What was the first thing you thought about when Pippen kept going to the locker room and coming back, going to the locker room and cut and coming back when he was having the back spasms? The first thing I thought of was they were probably giving him shots of some sort. I thought of Bud Kilmer, man. Oh, I went give him the shot. Yeah, give him the shot. That's... And then he goes, if he'll let me. Make him understand That's because he, you could tell he was in visible pain, like mm-hmm. severe, and all of a sudden <laughs> he's he's back and he doesn't look as uncomfortable. And I'm like, oh yeah. Well, the funny thing is, you, you remember Varsity Blues, oh, the yeah. whole deal, and 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 I thought that like immediately when he uh, um, when he come back out after the trainers because they they showed a picture of, of Phil Jackson talking to one of the trainers, and then there they go, and I'm like. Make him understand. That was what uh, what went through my mind. And then he kept going back and back and back, getting basically like 10 minutes of work out of him. And then they go, 10 minutes of work, go, and, and, and the whole deal. So I was like, oh, goodness. Like, they are flat just jacking him up. They, I mean, they, like, it's cortisone shot. He was getting the Mr. Miyagi hands back and forth and then <laughs> smack them on. And Yeah, it was going to be rough. It, but – uh, I thought that showed the fra- – was it – how do you say it? – it, it's fragile. Fragility, I don't know if that's a real word, but I just made one. Uh, I think that showed the, the how fragile that dynamic was because Pippen leaves, they're in rough shape. Oh, yeah. Uh, he comes back, they, they charge back. He leaves again, rough shape. So I, I, I also thought that showed a mortal side to that Bulls team uh, that, that without pieces, without all the pieces – uh, it's not a it's not a full full deal, but um, but but the the last dance left some some things open. Uh, they they didn't really go into the the next deal, which again it was the Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan, Pippen, Rodman, Kerr, 
on back through. That's what the last dance was about. Right. So that it, they weren't going to talk about the new head coach. They weren't going to talk about where the trades went and what have you. They, they at the credits, kind of said Pippen was traded, Kerr was traded, Jordan retired, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Rodman uh, traded. Or Rodman was released, actually. He was released. Uh, so uh, it, it didn't necessarily go beyond that. But but I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was good that we saw a a real version of Michael Jordan. And some people, and even I, you know, kind of questioned some of the language because I feel like you know a lot of people were probably trying to show their kids why they idolized Michael Jordan. And I felt like there was some rough language, but. At the same rate, I felt like that was a true version of all those guys and how they got them to be comfortable and 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 really ready to open up. Uh, John Stockton, all the all the different pieces that they talked to. Reggie Miller, I thought the way he kind of talked about wanting to retire Michael Jordan uh, and having that kind of you know death stare with him right there at the at the podium. Um, all of that stuff was really kind of eye-opening. The the fact that after the Pacers got to be, got beat, here come Larry Bird to kind of congratulate Michael, and they kind of had a as only Bird and Michael might have exchanged words uh, moment. But it just opened those doors. How Carl Malone came on the that was the cool. bus. You know, to and, me that was amazing. Well, and Carl Malone was a worker like that. Yes, and and you know, it it, it always you can't talk to everybody. You no. know what I'm saying? But it, it was kind of odd. I thought they would have at least kind of had a cameo with Carl Malone asking him some questions. But maybe maybe Stockton footed the bill for Utah there. Uh, but it's just – it's always interesting to see those guys pass, you know, after they get done playing. Like, John Stockton looked like he should sell you State Farm Insurance now. He did back like, then. Well, he did. I he mean, it, that was that one of the hair. ones that always blew my mind that John Stockton looked like he was a 40-year-old man playing on that team already. Right. And it always him and uh, Hornacek. I mean, they both just and but they were awesome. They they had that one clip they showed where Stockton got the rebound underneath and he just ripped it. it, yeah, and it went right out to a guy, kicked it up, and it was a three. And I'm like that. That was just fantastic ball play. Oh yeah. I mean they they were just there was two great teams and and I dare say that the Jazz may have been the better team, but the Bulls just. They they willed themselves to Absolutely. win, and athletically they they just had they had the full full game worth of athleticism. Yes, where I think sometimes Utah uh, they they had you know maybe forty five minutes, maybe fifty minutes. Right, they just didn't have the full full game. But but man, the last dance we'll we'll put it to bed uh, here uh, here today. We, we've got to get to start bench cup. But man, it left a left a different opinion. Like for me, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it, you know, not that I didn't have respect for Jordan before, not that I, I didn't have him in the conversation because I think some people's like, if you like LeBron, you can't say Jordan's in the conversation. I always had him in the conversation. The problem, the thing now is I understand a little bit more about that drive, which ultimately is always something that I'm going to respect. So I think I gained some respect for Jordan. Uh, and, and again, uh, understand why, why he's heralded at that just, point? Just let it out, goat. Non goat. I mean, goats. Goats running packs. It's okay. He can be goat A. How about that? I could take goat A. Goat one A. I, I could live with that. I'm cool if LeBron's one B. Hey, LeBron talked about it on his little podcast. It's called Uninterrupted. He talked about the Last Dance and how he, you know, when he. He he thinks he and Jordan could have been good teammates because he said he said I, he was more he feels like he's more of a Pippen player 
Like as far as you know, just kind of. I can see that. I mean, LeBron has a ton of assists. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a kind of a passing monster, but yeah. Uh, but I thought that was interesting, and and he talks about the first time he ever met Jordan was when he was like a sophomore in high school, and uh, and he said I didn't even think Michael Jordan was real. He said I thought he just lived in the TV. <laughs> It is the funniest thing, but uh, <laughs> if you if you haven't checked out his podcast, it's probably worth a check. It's called Uninterrupted. It's it's pretty cool. It's it's actually a podcast slash YouTube channel. It's like a video huh. thing. Yeah, pretty good. But anyway, let's get to a break. Uh, listen to these great sponsors. When we come back, start bench cut. Talk a little bit about uh, we gotta we gotta have an ode to the Bulls, and then we'll probably have an ode to NASCAR. You don't want to miss start bench cut. Going to be a good one. We're on one hundred point nine FM, eight fifty AM, and streaming and WKVL.com. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of The Grind. We'll be right back. a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to donnacry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. The Blunt Partnership is committed to leading the Blunt County business community through this coronavirus outbreak. We will continue to be a resource for all businesses as well as supplying up-to-date information for our community. Please check out our website for updated information at www.bluntchamber.com or search for Blunt Chamber on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation. During the Safer at Home order, Knox Area Rescue Ministries has continued to provide a home to those without one. It's shown why CARM is an essential business in our community. CARM Stores was recently designated as an essential business as well. CARM Stores, thank you for your previous support and are excited to announce the reopening of donation centers and stores. As we resume receiving your generous donations, we recognize that business might not be completely as usual. We will continue to monitor guidelines from local officials and practice safe social distancing recommendations. We appreciate your continued support of Knox Area Rescue Ministries and CARM stores as we remain dedicated to serving the homeless, needy, and vulnerable during this time. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation. Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? 
If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts, we've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. In uncertain times, you can be certain of this. The Salvation Army is serving those most in need with help and hope. Thanks to your donations, the Salvation Army is helping those affected by COVID-19. Those who've lost wages, who have no home to retreat to, who need food, help with utilities, and most of all, hope. To see how you can continue to make a difference, visit SalvationArmyUSA.org. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports. Welcome back inside the WKBL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Jeff McIntyre as we grind it out right here on a Tuesday edition of The Grind. Jeffy, it is start bench cut time here on a Tuesday. we got about 11 minutes to talk it out. Uh, Really, you know, with the last dance and kind of closing that up, over a 10-segment or a 10-series docu-series, uh, we saw a lot of different bad guys. We saw a lot of different uh, teams that, that were attacking the Bulls and that, that the Bulls had to overcome and did. Uh, but really, kind of close this out, biggest Bulls contender, and I went with the Pistons, the Pacers, or the Utah Jazz. Start one, bench one, cut one. I'm I'm going to start the Pistons, I'm going to bench the Jazz, and I'm going to cut the Pacers. And I do that because if they don't get over the Pistons and they don't, I mean, they had to change how they play. They had had to overcome the Michael rule. They had to overcome a lot. The Jordan rule. Yeah. They had to overcome a lot to get, to, to start that flame, like Michael said, and get that success going. And then I benched the Jazz because they didn't necessarily had to change the way they were playing. They just had to out-tough and outlast the Jazz. And then the Pacers, I think that was just a tough series. I really think it was a tough series. Yeah, and and so the only reason the Pacers are on there is because I feel like, honestly, from an athleticism, from a scheme, from a coaching standpoint, and that's no no knock on Jerry Sloan from from the Jazz, I felt like that was as straight-up-and-down competitive – of a series as they had maybe their entire time because you know because with the with the Pacers it was Reggie Miller as a shooter you had Mark Jackson uh, you had Jalen Rose you had my what was it Rick Rick Schmitz mm-hmm. yeah I mean they had they had a lot of good really good players 
and, and and I just thought that they matched up really well. I don't I don't disagree with your your order at all. That's actually the order I went with was the Pistons because if they don't beat the Pistons, they never become the Bulls. You know what I'm saying? They're just that team from Chicago. Yep. Uh, and so I think getting over the Pistons was ultimately the biggest thing, and then it was in an era of basketball. You and you know when I talk about it's hard to compare eras. I mean, heck, just look at where the Bulls were. What they were calling in that 98 series against Utah, you saw some and ones that Michael got or you saw some and ones, you know, Pippen got that would not have been an and one against the Pistons. So I, I think you, you just talk about that and you see a, you see a, a, an elevation in the, in the calls there oh, yeah. uh, in the NBA. But you don't get over the Pistons, you don't get to the Utah Jazz series. I just, I just don't think so. I don't think they're, they become that powerful of a team. Uh, I, I bench – uh, the Jazz, and, and very similar to what you said, because one, they had an MVP on there, uh, you know, Carl Malone in 97, and then they made it right on back in 98. I mean, they were, they, they likened me very much to the, to the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, back when it was, you know, when, when uh, Golden State was making their run and when Cleveland was making their runs. Uh, they were always going to be there. It was just a matter of could they get over the hump, and the answer was no. In both occasions, but yeah, guys like John Stockton not scared of the Bulls. Carl Malone, the mailman, he did deliver. It just wasn't enough. Uh, and then Ostertag and all those guys for the Jags were really, uh, really, really good players. Oh, and yeah. like I said, pushed an uh, an aging Bulls team to the brink. I mean, I think that '97 season uh, they went to Game Seven, and it was the first. It was like the first time since they had kind of been doing their thing that they made it to a game seven. Yeah. So um I think you gotta get points for that, right? Just to just to push that Bulls team to a seven. But but and then I and then I cut uh the Pacers and not because it wasn't a great series, not because it wasn't tough, but because it was just one. Exactly. Because it was it was it was an opportunity late in the game, no pun intended, but late in the the run, if you will. Uh, for the Pacers to be the spoiler, and they they didn't get it done. No. So I, I take them out of it. Probably have one of in, in all of those series, maybe one of the best shooters in NBA history, Reggie Miller. Uh, but you know, it didn't it didn't change the game. They didn't they didn't beat the Bulls. So therefore, they get the cut. Exactly. Um, the middle the middle part of this start bench cut a little. Uh, I kind of went um, <laughs> with NASCAR coming back this weekend. I wanted to go racing movie. Uh, and you know that's kind of hard to find racing movies that I think I would know or that I've watched or movies that anybody would know. Yeah, right? that's true. And and maybe I'm still a little off the reservation, but best NASCAR movie, and this is tongue in cheek, and you'll know why when I say the list. But uh, best NASCAR movie, Talladega Nights, the the uh, the Ballad of Ricky Bobby, Days of Thunder, the Tom Cruise uh, Robert Duvall classic, or Stroker Ace. Uh, who had which had uh, who had uh, what's his name? Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds yeah. in it. Uh, I you know I think uh, all have their merit uh, in some way, shape, or form. What, yeah. what you got? So I'm gonna start Days of Thunder. I'm gonna bench Talladega Nights, and then I'm gonna cut Stroker Ace. I don't like it when we agree, but it's hard to it's hard to argue. You, with that. you can't supplant Days of Thunder. 
So you just can't. You can't now. Now, if you're a, if you're a purist of NASCAR, you probably don't like Days of Thunder because they no. speed up the action and oh, it's they kinda... change all kinds of stuff. A lot of stuff that happens doesn't happen. But like you wish it happened like that. Yes. Like you wish like you beat and bang and go on and then they still race. Like yeah. You, or or that you could spin down in the infield and not even lose a lap, get right back on and not. Yeah. Don't have to change tires or anything. No, it's all good. Just give me the high gear. I don't think gear. it works like that. <laughs> but okay. Oh, uh, but the no. rule is you just go right at them. Yeah. Okay. My fa- what's your what's your favorite part? Like so, I uh, shocker shocker. I agree with Jeffy on this one. <laughs> I, 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 and, and again, Stroker Ace is a good movie. I just it's it's before my time, and I just didn't have a ton of experience with it. Yeah. And I feel like it's hard to beat Shake and Bake. I'm coming for you, Ricky Bobby. Uh, I mean, all of it's pretty. just break it. <laughs> yeah he's like i am paralyzed stabs yeah. himself oh lord like every time i see that because i'm kind of a you know bone breaking kind of yeah i'm like that's funny but it's it's bad. still hurts but uh but no you can't you can't beat what's your what's your favorite line and i'm putting you on the spot here favorite line in days of thunder hit the pace car yeah it's a good one it's a good one or i mean i like uh i like um uh what was it? Uh, remember me when he tags yeah. Rowdy after yeah. after everything's went See, on, and he's just in, like in the cast in that movie too, because that was Carrie Ellis, you know. I mean, and then all of a sudden, uh, Princess Bride, uh, Twister. I mean, Carrie Ellis uh, saw. I mean, he went into all kinds of crazy. You stuff. talking about Rowdy Burns? No, no, no. Carrie Ellis was uh, the replacement driver that he. Remember me? Oh, you're talking about oh. the bad guy, the the official bad guy. Yeah, what's his? What was his name? Uh, uh, Russ Wheeler. Yeah, Russ Wheeler. Russ Wheeler. I was talking about when he when he tagged Rowdy early on in the movie because Rowdy's like, I'm gonna rattle this, oh, this yeah. rookie's chain, and then all of a sudden, like he he turns him and all that, and then when they they finally he gets on his groove, if you will, and gets a sponsor. Then he's starting to pound, you know, yeah. rowdy. Now I love the remember me moments because either that or the uh, the change my tires. You remember that? Yep. When he's like, "Oh, the race is over. The race is over, Cole. It's fine." And and that's funny too because it's the Quaid brothers and they're they're both in there and both hilarious. Oh, that's another great moment in that movie. And we're just like wasting the end of the show. <laughs> but, uh, that's another great moment is when he goes, "Look." That's the side we ain't got to fix. Yes. And old Robert Duvall goes over and just kicks the ever-living fire out yep. of it. And he goes, I don't want you spoiled, Buck. Because he knew. He knew the way Cole drove, it just wasn't going to come back nah. straight. Uh, it might come back a winner, but it ain't coming back straight. But it just it's a great movie. And, and again, the cast there, you, you talk about Nicole Kidman. You talk about, uh, again, that gum Fred Thompson. I mean, yep. he ended up being the governor of Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, what about that? I mean, there was all kinds uh, of great stories, and and my understanding is is that that little I'm going to take apart your race car, like that situation happened in NASCAR. Yeah, uh, yeah, which that, that movie's loosely uh, coined around Tim Richmond. Which if you haven't watched, uh, uh, I think it's called uh, oh, what's it called? It's like two too fast or something like that. It's a thirty for thirty about Tim Richmond. You're missing out. Let's but, check that one out. I've not watched it. It's another good one. I mean, they're all good. I don't think there's a bad one, but that one's one you should move up the list. But, uh, but hey, we've grounded out for Tuesday, uh, and we're out of time. Top of the hour, Jason Swain and the Swain event, but you've listened to the Tuesday edition. But if you're on your way to work or on your way home, take care, be safe, and yes, 
Grind On. We'll see you tomorrow.